In a land far away, once upon a time, Brendan, Vicky B, partners in crime. We danced through life like, like a couple of gays. But as time went by, we went our separate ways. Now we're back together, talking about whatever. Talking about the music that, that we, we love forever. Hooking you up like a telephone jack. Everybody listen up, we're getting back on track. Hey everybody, welcome back to Back on Track. Hi Vicky. Hey Brendan, what's going on? You know, I'm just sitting here in a in a beautiful uh, boudoir. Lavish closet <laughs> recording space that we have set up this week. Yeah, you know, every every week we gotta change it up. I never thought I'd find myself going back to the closet so extravagantly, but hey. Extravagant. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's been really fun getting this podcast out there. Yeah, well it's been some time since we started and it bears mentioning that back in our second podcast we were talking about gay anthems, and we mentioned the absence of Janet Jackson. It was life. the big elephant in the room. Where'd she go? I've been waiting for you. Maybe she was on an elephant somewhere. We had been starving for at least seven years for another album release from Janet Jackson. And as it turns out, a couple weeks ago, pow. Give me a beat! Unbreakable drops. Boom. Yeah, yeah. So, so did you listen to it yet or I what? I mean, I've listened to a little bit of it. I've certainly listened to, you know, some of the singles. I heard the Missy track. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a little bit of it. It's been, you're looking at me kind of funny. Well, I'm just, I, it's, I'm beside myself right now. <laughs> like, like I love it. I think it's her best work since Velvet Rope. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. I, I can't say I've um, immersed myself with it enough to have a, a really strong feeling. I certainly enjoyed the, um, the vibe. I think that she's coming out with a little bit of like a... A, a sound that's familiar, that's hers, but also isn't trying to compete with any sort of um, attention of what's sort of pop and current right now. Yeah, so, it's, it's not a slave to radio trends. No, but she's kind of slave always to radio. been. Well, yeah, she's kind of always uh, set herself apart just a little bit, and even in some of the lyrics of her songs, there's a song called "Damn Baby," where she says, "You know, watch them all line up, watch them all fall into line." It's like um, she doesn't need to be held into a box by what's hot right now with electronic dance music or hip hop. She's making an album for the sake of making good music, and she's definitely hit the mark with this one. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, I, I can't wait to dive in more. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, in the spirit of celebrating that Janet's back. Yeah. <laughs> and, wait, you know, one other thing before we get going. Yeah. Um, it's really fascinating that her album, what was the stat they released um, recently, which is that I think she's one of the few artists who's had a number one album in each of the last four decades. Four decades, yeah. So that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's one of the top three, I think. Yeah. And then what's really special about that, too, is that she, um, I don't think, did a single uh, press moment for this. Yeah. No no promotion whatsoever. A, a independent record release. Uh, Rhythm Nation Records is the name of the new record label that you know that she's ahead of now. So it's it's cool, too, to, to feel a push behind the uh, initial philosophy of Rhythm Nation of really, like, l- let's do better. Let's get ourselves back on our feet and educate ourselves and, and take control, like, to, you know, to take use a, a Janet term. Like take control back, and that's what she's done. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, that being said, I would love to. I would love to have that sit down with her too, though, and sort of get a sense of where she's at. Totally. Well, you know, here's the thing: is it's been such a long time since we've had a full length album from her. I think she really wanted to sit back and let the music speak for herself for itself. Yeah. One of the things that she says in the intro and the in in the beginning of the album is, you know, it's been a long time, lots to talk about, and she really does her best to sort of address in the in a typical sort of Janet non specific 
romantic, but at the same time sort of hinting to way about Michael, about her new marriage, mm-hmm. about the, um, you know, the, the incident with, you know, being betrayed by the media and, and, you know, and the culture, you know, that once embraced her and, and being a survivor of that and coming out on top of it, of the flying like a black eagle above it all. She's oh, right. one of her song titles. Oh, yeah. that's one of the song titles. Yeah, it's called oh, Black Eagle. I thought that was your own invention. No, girl, no, girl. I'm pulling <laughs> I'm pulling the vernacular, the Janet vernacular. Um, what have you heard about the tour? Um, well, one thing I've noticed about the tour, and this is not in usual Janet fashion, at least, well, it, it has been with the number ones tour. She's wearing the same outfit for the whole thing, which is like, it's a little bit difficult for me Does to wrap Does it seem like a budget around. choice or like an artistic choice? I, I don't, it's a little bit of both. I feel like she's a little bit more covered up than she she used to have been. She's not showing a lot of the skin that she used to do, and I think a lot of well, that which has... does harken back to an earlier yeah, era of hers for sure. It's not out of the blue, yeah. No, no, and no. even somewhat recently, I was um, looking at some you know performances that she's done, you know, single solo performances of the last you know maybe five years ago, six years ago, and she would always sort of harken back to that armored yeah. sort of uh, built yeah. up look a little covered bit. up sort of street yeah. renegade mm-hmm. shoulder pads jacket type of mm-hmm. boots type of thing that she's doing. And she's definitely back into that. And I think it's also about, like, these are the songs. This is why you came to see me and hear me. It's not about, like, it's not about the, the blow-up palm trees or, like, you know, well. the thrust <laughs> stage with the, the elevators and the staircases. Right. It's about right. coming to see Janet Jackson. Let's put a know. button on that. I think we should get right into it, yeah. bearing that last note in mind. Because um, <laughs> I want to get, yeah, yeah. get right to our list. So we're going to throw down. I want to start with um, sort of a, a mid-career, well, I guess earlier on, um, track. But I think everybody loves this one is Escapade. Escapade, yes, girl. Let me take you on one. So Escapade, everyone, you know, obviously is from uh, Rhythm Nation, and I wanted to just start right there because it's funny that, I think that song in particular, if anyone's seen a Janet performance or gone to one of the shows, I felt like that blow-up set was used for like 15 years. (laughs) I agree. I saw it twice. I saw the Velvet Rope tour and the All For You tour. I know. And maybe it was just those two. No, but you think even before the Velvet Rope, it was the same set. And after. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was like, oh, here's the the circus-y jack-in-the-box carnival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So that's just hilarious. But um, Escapade I love because I think it's really a nice mix of a lot of the things about Janet that we love it's it's independent but um it's also flirty and fun and and free and it's sort of you know it's it's romantic um but it's not uh necessarily as um I don't know, Adult angry or, or aggressive. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, as some of the. I mean, I like the aggression too, but there's there's something about that like free Janet where you see her light. I feel like we get to see a lot of her pain, which we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. and which is really uh, amazing work. But it's nice to see her her lightness sometimes, yeah. and that's such a just a fun song. That I think captures that sort of those ideas of youth and. Uh, 
what's possible. Yeah. Well, it's definitely joyous, and it's mm-hmm. one of the. I feel like it's one of the elements that we and most people enjoy about Janet. Is on one side she's got this sort of dark, sensual mood, yes. and on the other t- side she's got this celebratory, just joyous mm-hmm. pop music mm-hmm. and these beautiful melodies that Jam and Lewis help her write. Um, a little bit of info about the track at hand. Escapade. Yeah. It's a third single from Rhythm Nation. It was released on January eighth in nineteen ninety. Um, it's one of my favorite songs from this era. Yeah. Um, I loved it so much. I loved the dance to it. And actually, when I was a little kid in first grade, I did a dance to this song in front of my first grade class. Love that. Yeah, so I had my future, <laughs> my fate set for me that day in terms of like what life was going to be about. You were telling me. them, let's go. Yes. <laughs> I love all the sharp hits in that music video, all of the electronic blasts and the powerful percussion, the Minneapolis sound, like those droning yeah. keyboards at the beginning of the track that Jam and Lewis gave us. And that was significant of that album and the whole time period in general. And I think also of note is the music video. I loved how she was able to put a colorful spin on the Rhythm Nation vibe that she already exactly. gave us. Mm-hmm. She took the military jacket and she exchanged it for like this purple velvet type of yes. look. You know, with frilly shirts. And she let her hair down. She had really colorful makeup, but she still had that jet black hair. Yeah, it was a really interesting follow-up to what I mean, Rhythm Nation obviously was so militaristic and was very vivid in the imagery it used. Mm-hmm. And this was a nice um, counter to yeah. that. Well, yeah. it was a socially conscious album. Oh my was, gosh. Yeah, you know, the, the Rhythm Nation started out as being another project altogether. It was going to be called Scandal. Mm-hmm. And they decided to go in a different direction. It was going to be about sexuality. It was going to be about her family. And something came to Janet where she she felt affected by the world that she was seeing around her. And she started writing songs like um, Rhythm Nation, uh, State of the World, mm-hmm. Living in a World They Didn't Make, where she's addressing children and, about, and um, you know, society, sociology, uh, poverty, violence, and everything that were that were downloaded. Yeah. Y- you know. I want to talk a lot about that as the, you know, throughout this episode because I think that she's one of the few people who gets that right. Yeah. Um, who's able to do it in ways that um, really work and that connect with audiences that, you know, this blend of, I don't want to talk too much about it now, but this way of blending a real um, point of view and a statement with artistry, with nuance and subtlety and, and, and creating something that people really, that resonates with people. Yeah. Um, another thing with Escapade, it was one of the number ones, mm-hmm. which is great um and the other thing i thought was interesting when i was taking a look at the song is um it is uh partially inspired by you know some of the girl groups that we've talked about not specifically one that was on our list but um i read that it was partially inspired by nowhere to run by martha the vandells oh that's great yeah it has that kind of vibe when you kind of when you when you think about that totally it it harkens back towards a little bit of that i think when she's in the studio with jam and lewis they really get together and listen to a lot of what inspires her she's got a lot of 60s influences Mm. that really came out on Janet and a lot of the a lot of the samples that she uses and also a lot of rock and disco influences as well as well as Joni Mitchell mm-hmm. and Carly Simon who she's both asked sure. to work with, with her um, you know, you keep mentioning Jam and Lewis. I think we'll get to like the storytelling around that. But just so everyone's clear, we're talking about Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, yeah. longtime collaborators. Totally. Former members of the time. Prince actually kicked them out of the time when they were late to either, a, I think it was a rehearsal or performance due to a snowstorm. Um, so, you know, they found success on their own as producers to Janet Jackson. And as a matter of fact, if we could segue to another track that involves them, I yeah. wanted to mention Control.
A number one, the, the, the underlying theory behind everything that we get from Janet, whether it be control of your life, control of your sexuality, control of your artistry, control of your physical body. I mean, like she could not have have solidified or like liquid concentrated her theory, her theme into one, you, you know, into a better idea. I love you, you said liquid concentrate. L- liquid concentrate, like honey in a perfume bottle. Hashtag liquid concentrate. Um, no, I agree. It's the epitome of Janet doing her thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's sort of that that statement just, yeah, pulled together. Yeah, well, you know, that was the fourth single from the 1986 album of the same title, mm-hmm. uh, re- released on October 21st, 1986. Um, of note, she was rocking the head mic in that video before Madonna was. Hello. And I, uh, also of note, um, I noticed that she used, like, a live recording, like a live performance of of that song for the video that was different than the album version. Mm-hmm. And she's done that for a couple, maybe not the live recording, but certainly released different versions of singles and put them out as music videos, which I thought was really cool and innovative and different. It is different. Well, wait, but also dig into the video if you're in the mention it. Yeah. I mean, well, just the, what's going the, the on prelude. topically. The yes. prelude. Well, this is another thing. I, you know, Here's the thing, Brendan. I used to sit in front of MTV when I was a little kid. And I saw Madonna come out on the cake and do the whole rolling around thing. And I've seen Bon Jovi and, you, you know, probably saw that as a clip. And, yeah, sure. Well, there were clips. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I never saw the whole control video. Right. So I didn't know about this whole prelude thing yeah. that happened where she takes off with essentially members of Prince's band the time. Yeah. I mean, it, to consider at the time that Michael Jackson and Jan- and, and um, Prince were at the, at the like the top of their competitiveness mm-hmm. and their sort of playful, friendly, but also like sort of adversarial relationship. For her to jump ship from the Jackson crew and to go to Prince's side. Minneapolis Sound, yeah. Oh my God, yeah, absolutely. And when I was a kid, I had no idea what that meant. The type of rebellion that that was, there was some, that was planned. And she seems all quiet and demure, but I mean, man, that was, that was a move right there. Well, not only that, but at the time, we have to remember too, I mean, in that, in that same moment you're talking about, she's also, you know, running away from her parents in the video. And like, this was the, the very moment where she was was, you know, uh, firing her her dad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah her, And so her she put it right out there. Matthew Knowles moment <laughs> right. earlier in life, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And look at how that turned out. Right. right. That's <laughs> a, I guess that's a, that's a, that's another theme. <laughs> Fire your daddy. <laughs> Fire your daddy. Oh my god. Can we talk a little bit more about the video? Oh my gosh, yeah. I, well, I'll have you know it was directed by Mary Lambert, who I'll was have you know. Yeah, well, hello. <laughs> it was the director. She directed Madonna's early videos including Borderline, Like a Virgin, Material Girl, Las La Bonita, Like a Prayer, and it was choreographed by Paul Abdul. I know, I knew you were going to say it. Which I know. It, uh, we don't have to completely go there right now. No, but this is this will be a wonderful segue to a future show where we're going to cover her. But yeah. I believe this is my theory, and you can say what you want. But I believe it was largely Paula Abdul, the punk, the, the the spunk and the spark that Paula Abdul brought with her choreography to her to Janet's world that was largely responsible for the image that we have of Janet today as a champion of dance. Well, I mean. We're going to get into this in other moments, but, you know, uh, many people are familiar that Tina Landon was a huge influence on Janet's, um, you know, choreography. And, well, I mean, she choreographed Janet in a lot. Yeah, for several But Tina came through the Paula Abdul world as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Paula is, to your point, a a root for that whole style and presence that Janet really developed and grew. Yeah. Well, you know, I had also heard that when Paula's uh, Paula's, uh, For Every Girl album went number one in the 80s, that Janet actually sent her flowers, which I thought was really cute. 
You know what I mean? Like uh, Janet has always been appreciative of Paula and the start that she got, the, the start that both of them got from each other working Absolutely. together. Have you ever watched those YouTube videos of them rehearsing in the studio during the control era where Paula's got her sneakers on and her big sweatshirt and oh, they're doing fun. the nasty choreography? No, no that sounds awesome, though. Well, I had heard that Paula, record. Um, she choreographed the video of Nasty in, like, her bathroom. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, we've done that once or twice. <laughs> I know. Well, it's just, it's crazy. It's the world that we live in as dancers. You know, you you get it where you can get it. And when inspiration comes to you, you bust it out. And it was so cute to see her sitting in the front row of that movie theater in the Nasty video, like, cheering her on. Yeah. You know, what has he done for you lately? <laughs> All that business. So, yeah. So, control. So, what, what's the next one, Brendan, that you think you have on your list? Well, um... Shoot, that was from yours. Actually. I know that was actually from mine. <laughs> give me, give me, give me something from an early era. Maybe, okay, early era that you. I know you. You were in that. origins. Yeah. I do. Okay, so little did everybody know at the time, but Janet had had two albums before Control. Control was not her debut. Mm-hmm. Her debut was actually her self-titled album in 1982, Janet Jackson. Um, and the single that I want to talk about is "Come Give Your Love to Me." released on January 10th, 1983. Uh, Like I said, the second single. And it it, it was comparable to this sort of upbeat Say You Do, which she did again on the Rock With You tour after 2008's Discipline. Uh But it was a little bit bit more down-tempo, a little bit more mysterious and sort of funky electronic. uh, Very 80s sounding. And it never really got a lot of recognition. It doesn't find itself on any of her greatest hits compilations. But you know me, I always like to take the left field track. I always like track seven and eight. I think this is worth mentioning that Janet had like a – she had a musical history before Control. And another thing I want to say before I let you go ahead and vibe back to me is um, I remember watching her performance of this number on American Bandstand with Dick Clark and remembering the incredible contrast of like her bouncing around in her punky Brewster outfit with like Mm. her bandana around her jeans and and what we now know her as, which is this sort of confident dance musical powerhouse. Right. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, I think it's really interesting. Interesting how her her you know image evolved, and clearly she early on was sort of out there in one way and, and wanted to be out there in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what were some of the? Vi- I don't. I'm not as familiar with some of that early stuff. So what were some of the, you know the visuals that were going on? Um, she was she was starting. She started out with a sort of like feathered hair, sort of like t-shirt and jeans type of look. Perhaps mm-hmm. with a blazer. The blazer did come in early yeah. with rolling up. Yeah. There's an album called Dream Street where she poses on the front of it on like a motorcycle or a scooter where she's got, like, red long gloves on and, like, a big blazer, hairsprayed hair. Um, but it wasn't the hard, hard-edged sort of black, you know, the, the the geometric design of control. It didn't have the cohesion yet. Right. Um, she was still, I think she was still exploring and breaking out of her little kid phase. And she's bopping around with a microphone on American Bandstand versus coming out with a set performance. I think she does good. Janet was an actress. Uh, she does a lot oh, of yeah. research for her roles and things like that. I think she does good with a script, with a plan, with a with you know, I'm going to go here, I'm going to do this, you know, geograph- geography of the stage as opposed to just coming out and sort of bopping around. Right. Do you know right, what I'm saying? Right, 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 I think right. everybody does, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I mean, um 
I still I want to sh- stay with this early moment, but to sort of contrast sort of the mix of those things, if we sort of jump back into that control era from yeah. what we were talking about before, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to quickly mention Let's Wait a While. Yeah, go for it. Let's Wait a While is, I think, really fascinating because um, it it was sort of this uh, down-tempo moment. And um, again, another really interesting way to uh, balance, I think there was this uh, aggressive quality that she was exploring and, and putting out there. And then I think this sort of uh, intrigued people that she came out with this song that was really sort of thoughtful and quiet and kind um you know and it's a little bit bothersome to me that it became what's the word don't have sex abstinence yeah 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 people people started using it to to promote you know abstinence uh only kinds of you know messages messages for children or not well maybe (laughs) (laughs) for the children the legendary children honey keep it in your pants let's wait a while bitches it's okay, girl. I know oh, what you're trying my to gosh. say. You know what I'm trying to say. And I, <laughs> but, but I think, you know, really, I, you know, what the song was inspired by was, you know, real personal moments of having conversations with her friends and, you know, and, and talking about what happens when you sort of go to a place that maybe you're not ready for in a relationship and how that can have a lot of ramifications and consequences from just a, a real human point of view. And um, I don't know. So I, also what's interesting, too, is I'd read, I don't know if this is true, maybe you know, but I'd read that... Um, the the what she anyway says the inspiration for the song was a conver- was in part a conversation with a particular friend who was debating whether or not he was going to have sex with his girlfriend because he was struggling with his sexuality. Okay, that's cool. And, and I think it's really interesting because I think later on when we'll get to this, you know, she goes um, to a lot of places talking around the ramifications of homophobia and societal pressures and all sorts of things. And um, this is another sort of quiet moment where there's this layer there that people may or may not be aware of, but that I think is really um, awesome of her. Well, I think it's cool that you're mentioning this and whether or not that I I, I don't, I can't sort of uh, confirm the factual accuracy of that because I don't happen to know. But either way, it's interesting how we can take this and look at it from an LGBT perspective. Totally. Um, And I think on the other, on the other side of that, in terms of Janet, it's cool because we, we touch on one of these whiteboard things like what, what's the recipe that makes Janet up? She, in addition to all of this control and all of this management of all this business is also like a sort of a deep connection to the world, to her partner. You know, there's a lot of sexual objectification and sort of power play going on. But at the same time, there's also like a sensitivity and a heart underneath all of that. I mean, that's that sounds sort of like not very, you know, an, an understatement. But like, you know, she does these moments in her concerts where she breaks it down. She's got the, you know, the dude on guitar. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Every yeah. concert, you know she's going to bring that stool downstage center yeah. and, and take a moment with the special right on her. Yeah, and well, she reminds, she checks in with everybody and reminds everybody that, you know, she's also got this other side to her and frequently she's moved to tears. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's the only live vocal you're going to get that night. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could talk about that. I don't know if we want to completely go there. I want to stay in fanboy mode. 
in that criticism mode. It's not a critique. She's working her ass off yeah, doing a show. It's true. I don't you and I both know how difficult it is to yeah. be able to maintain diaphra- diaphragmatic breathing through high intensity dance performance. <laughs> is that a true adjective? I th- diaphragmatic? Yeah. I don't know. Well, it I is mean, it today. It is good. today. I'll talk to Miranda Sings and see what she says. Okay. But anyway, yeah, I do love that song. I, I remember, what I remember about Let's Wait a While is the Destiny's Child performance um, from the Janet Icon show mm-hmm. on MTV in 2000. It was the same, or it might have even been 2001. It was during the All For You era. Um, and another thing that I remember about that performance is the amazing That's The Way Love Goes performance, the video where NSYNC recreated, like, shot for shot. Yeah. The, um, a number one, I wish that that song came out as, as a single and or, like, a B-side on, like, an NSYNC greatest hits. I, I, right. I wish that we got the whole track from them. I thought that they did a great job with yeah. it. Uh, they captured her essence, and it was such a great chip tribute, and also a beginning of Janet slash Justin Timberlake collab. Wow! Well, we oh my gosh! But I won't go down that road <laughs> right now because we're in positivity mode. But that was a great little tribute that they did, and it was cute, yeah. and also sort of like fitting that Destiny's Child at that moment that they were having was doing the whole, you know, like let's wait a while, don't have sex, like you know, hold off. You know, moment. that was the song that they chose. Right. Well, you know, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no comment. Let's move on. What's the What's ne- next? Do you want me to go? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, from Rhythm Nation, going back to Rhythm Nation, um, Someday is Tonight. I'm on the down tempos. love ballad in the spirit of funny how time flies which was the steamy ballad from control this is sort of an upgrade so we can we can begin to add to the whiteboard another element of janet jackson albums Mm -hmm. which is a bit of a formula right Mm -hmm. you sort of get the message in on blast right up front and then you know got the point good let's dance and then we dance through the pop songs Uh and then at the end there's about four or five really steamy like a suite of love jams like she calls them the baby making tracks Uh and this song is sort of like really where it all began in terms of like putting the vocal moans on which i i admit had gotten a little out of control as of 2008 (laughs) um she had taken it to a level yeah but it I think at this point it was the perfect blend. It actually was sensual. What uh, the reason why I mention this is, I'm so in love with the muted trumpet solo that's around the sort of bridge or the end of the song. Mm. It's so beautiful. It's really long and it really goes there. It's steamy. All of these, all these songs at the end of the album, they're segued together with sounds of wind and rain. She's really attracted to the rain and making love in the rain, and yeah. you really get a sense of atmosphere. That it, water yeah. imagery comes up a lot for her in her, totally, uh, totally. you know, love songs, whether it's uh, whether it's you know uh, positive or painful. Mm-hmm. Well, the every time video. Do you remember the every time? Yes. Not, you should mention something. She's yes. completely submersed in water. Absolutely. You know that's yeah. cool too. Because I've always really resonated with water imagery and like Madonna, Ray of Light, mm-hmm. Swim. Once again, water imagery, drowned world, drowned world. Sure. Uh, water being an element of healing, mm-hmm. um, of rejuvenation, mm-hmm. of redemption, rebirth. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. 
and so there are a lot of water references, and she really connects to the rain. And so that's one of the things, you know, the, uh, even on the new album, Unbreakable, there are more water imagery, more uh, no sleep to no sleep video. The entire thing takes place in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the vibe of that song. Yeah, it's super, super chill. And it's been number one on the adult contemporary, I think, mm-hmm. um, for like the past seven weeks or something. And yeah. just to mention, not 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 going back down there again, but it, it, it as of right now, as of the recording of this podcast, um, the album is number one on Billboard. Mm-hmm. So I'm super proud of her for that. I, I agree. Yeah. I think that she's she's doing a she's doing a great job. So what's your next track that you're gonna throw at me? Oh man. Well, I think that I would love to we can bounce around a bit for sure. Oh. I kinda wanna go in a, in a different era altogether. Yeah. I wanna talk about <laughs> you were talking about the structures of, of her albums, how they follow a, a certain kind of sequencing. Yeah. Um I wanna go into special from okay. Velvet Rope. Yeah, go, go, go. So special was, uh, you know, a very special song <laughs> for me when it came out. Um, you know, for people that aren't don't know, it was the last track on the album. Certainly not a single. Yeah. Um, it had a it had a hidden track attached to it, but it was a hidden track that was listed as a hidden track. So yeah. that was kind of weird. <laughs> Interesting. That was Can't Be Stopped, right? Um, was that the name of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I always thought that was hilarious. It was like, usually you would find out about the hidden tracks in the 90s when that was Secretly. happening. It was like, oh, if you just let the CD play, yeah. you're going to get a surprise. Yeah. But she just like put she it there. She needed to make sure that we knew. <laughs> that it was there. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, all of Velvet Rope, and we could really dig into a few tracks from this era, but all of Velvet Rope was just a masterpiece and it really became the model for a lot of artists sort of diving into some of their personal trials and tribulations. Um, but special is this, you know, gentle, you know, moment of really trying to dive into sort of her own vulnerability, issues with body dysmorphia, the sort of the sadness around some of the, um, what she had to go through as a child. And she's speaking to her inner child in the song. And, um, you know, I just felt like growing up, I felt like she was speaking right to me when I heard that song. And, um, you know, for a lot of reasons. It just really resonated. And I love that she had that moment of putting on, sharing with the world something that felt really honest and vulnerable and, and, and not in a way that was, um, I don't know, for a pop, for a pop artist, that is not typically what you'd find. It's not, you know, you hear some of that personal story from, you know, a folk or, uh, you know, an alternative or somebody who might be giving you something a little more raw from the journal. But this was really just um, stripped down authentic, I thought. Yeah. Well, it was a huge risk. I mean, she had just come off of like a gigantic album cycle. First of all, let's talk about the length of these album cycles before we, I have a lot to say about the Velvet Rope. But a, a through line that I've noticed also is that her album cycles have lasted have lasted years over years. You years. know, um, Rhythm Nation comes out in '89 and it lasts all the way up through like the summer of '91. You know, uh, 
Janet comes out in ninety three, ninety three, and lasts all the way through ninety five. Yeah, you know, yeah, with what like nine singles? Yeah, eight or nine singles. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's sort of it's crazy because Rihanna right now she can come out with an album a year, and you can get through you can get through five singles in Rihanna in like a matter of months. Well, yeah, Do you know what I'm saying. Well, it's just it's, it's changed. interesting. It's totally changed. changed, right? Yeah. The internet, the speed, people's attention spans. It's good, and also the length of time that you spend working on an album. You know, nowadays people have got the tracks ready and produced. They come in, you sit down with an artist and you you bang it out, the lead vocal, you've got somebody in the studio doing the backups, it's an album in two days. Yeah. You know, but I guess what I've always read about the Velvet Rope is it took her a long time to do. She had to take a lot of breaks. I think we've already talked about this, um, but she had to take a lot of breaks because it was very emotional. The, the, the subject matter that she was dealing with was really emotional. There were times she was moved to tears. Go ahead. Absolutely. No, I was going to say in earnest, though, I believe that you're right. It, it was a project that she was working on while she was doing the Janet tour. Yeah. Um, and that you're right, she did have to take a lot of breaks. But I did hear that, like, in the year, um, in 97, when it came out that October, I heard that she really in earnest went into the studio that January and banged it out in six months. Oh, really? Okay, mm-hmm. great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the ideas had been marinating for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And then, to your point, it was sort of started and stopped. But once she was in, it, it, I think it was all in. Sure. I guess the point I'm trying to make is sort of the idea of going in. Madonna does it now a lot, too. Although with her last album, it had been a little bit of like a schizophrenic multi-producer mm-hmm. effort. But the idea of sitting down of really having an intimate moment with your producers, of really solidifying what it is that you want to say, like Pink with Misunderstood, mm-hmm. um, with Linda Perry, mm-hmm. um, where you really you really get to know your producer and they get to know you intimately and are, are spend a decent amount of time sort of cultivating a real body of work. And that's what this felt like. And at this time, I mean, right, exactly. And, and you get to the, the heart of the matter, and especially, you know, with a, with a song like Special, um, you're talking about, at this time, long, long-term collaborators, with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Mm-hmm. And then furthermore, with that album, you had a huge influence um, by Rene Elizondo. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to speak a little bit about the so, Rene relationship? So many, okay, so many things I want to say. Rene, yeah. first of all, long-time collaborator. I think that they were dancers together, um, he had started working with her as a Rhythm Nation mm-hmm. through Janet, through Design of a Decade, through Velvet Rope, was her secret husband. Um, Remember that was crazy. Like, it, I mean, it yeah. wasn't crazy. Well, but... he was her boyfriend for the longest time. Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, Janet's taken by Renee. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. But we found out after the fact that they had been married. Yeah. It was and, kind of a, it was a big reveal. Yeah. Well, you know, good for her. Like, keeping mm-hmm. her private life private. People mm-hmm. people hack in and they, they, they get involved and mess stuff up. And it's sort of like something is sacred. And it's not, I don't know. I mean, I, on the one hand, I felt like, oh, wow, that, you know, that kind of sucks that we never knew that. But at the same time, it was like, you know what? Good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, some stuff is sacred. And it's sort of like, wow, she has a really deep place to her. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing I want to talk about with them is he really, I think, despite what happened to them and their separation, I think that he was really successful. And again, understanding her, being able to photograph her beautifully, all the videos that he shot, um, co-writing her songs, um, the music video, the styling, everything felt like when when a Janet album came out, it was a movement. It was a clear vibe. There was a through line. This is another whiteboard item. And mm-hmm. I think that up until Janet, we didn't have that, but it was sort of like, oh, what's your thing going to be this album? What's the color going to be this album? What are the fonts going to look like? What are, how are you going to uh, like have a cohesive style that you can change the 
like um, what is it? Variations on a it's, theme. It's a full vision. Yeah, it's a full vision. When that's why she could have the kind of you know multi-year um, span or, or, or um, you know lifespan for these albums mm-hmm. because they were really fully developed. You know, visions and ideas. It wasn't just like oh, I had one thought and now I'm going to try and like iterate on that. Um, and, and there's nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. This was a full world for yeah. these things. Velvet yeah. Rope was reds. It was you know she had that oh funky gosh. red hair. Mahogany's. It was. It was. Um, you know, new synthetic fibers, piercings, crazy dyed hair, mm-hmm. tattoos. You know, she had just started showing off all those tattoos. You know, and I think that you know, uh, I, 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 perhaps this newest album is is a little bit more back on track um, mm-hmm. in some ways. But certainly, I felt like right after Velvet Rope and Renee Elizondo was you know out of her life, it did feel like she was a little bit. Lost in space for the following decade. Stuff did seem to start to derail. We had All yes. For You, which we, where she was still with Jam and Lewis, but she, she had started pulling away, working with Rock Wilder. She had had a falling out with Tina Landon. She was no longer with Renee anymore. And everything started to go down this sort of spiral into Sex Kitten. And her, exactly. you know, her hits became fewer and further in between, you know. But yeah, it, um, Unbreakable and her return with Jam and Lewis seems to have been a return to form and a return to sort of let's concentrate concentrate on on putting out a really um, introspective, sensitive work of art. Mm-hmm. I want to say, getting back to talking about Velvet Rope, yes. I want to say it's interesting. On this mix, you and I have included four songs, none of which were album, I mean, uh, singles. They were right. all album tracks. This is the most... But you know what? That speaks to the uh, just incredible work on these albums that yeah, she has. absolutely. Can we talk about other Velvet Rope songs? Please, give me the okay. next, next Velvet Rope. I just want to bang these out. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, Velvet Rope, the... the the title song, the opening Boom. number to the Velvet Rope Tour. First of all, the, the album came out October 7th, 1997. I can remember her attending the VMAs that year wearing that like cherry red shirt. And, yep. and I remember like just anticipating this album dropping. Yep. And I remember opening the packaging. First of all, this packaging was crazy. There was not a word on the cover. It's her head of like tangly reddish brown hair. Yep. You know, there's no beautiful, eloquent Janet, you know, that iconic Janet font that had been used with the lowercase J. It was so, you know, so fashion. And this was just like, what is this? Mm-hmm. You know, I opened it up and it was really interesting. The booklet has all of oh, these gosh. superimposed sort of pixelated, you know, yes. uh, we had gotten, I, you laughed at me before, but like AOL, you know, the, the AOL, <laughs> the dial up, the instant message sounds uh-huh. on, um, on that song. What was the name of that song? Empty. Um, em- yeah. Em- yeah. With yeah. the drum and bass uh-huh. samples, you know, where music, dance music is starting to incorporate electronics. You mm-hmm. had fan mail coming out, which came out a little bit later, but they were in this era of mm-hmm. um, fan mail with TLC. Yeah. You had, you know... Um, well, Ray of Light was that moment. Yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. was going sort of electronic. People, uh, artists are being influenced by technology in the, sh- in the shrinking world. Mm-hmm. So Velvet Rope, 
um, sampling tubular bells, like from The Exorcist, and featuring Vanessa May, like on, with that buzzsaw violin solo, like as the uh, as the bridge to it, the end of it, like absolutely flawless. Who I just want to drop some knowledge. Her album Storm <laughs> that year had a really cool rendition. I know that you love Donna Summer, and yeah. we talked about I Feel Love with Madonna. Uh-huh. That um, Donna Summer, Giorgio Moroder hit. Vanessa May put that album on Storm and made like a violin re- rendition of it, and it was oh, nice. absolutely gorgeous. Oh, so cool. anyway, yeah, Velvet Rope, hearkening back to their days with like SOS Band. Um, it's sounding like you know you dropped a bomb on me by Gap Band or like Just Be Good to Me. It's got that really sort of like deep bassy like beep and buzz sound to it. Yeah, that old Jam and Lewis sound that they just threw out for her. The sound felt completely new, and this was a moment again where the album came out. You bought the album, and I was going to listen to it in the order and mm-hmm. the, it, you know in the way it was being presented to me. Yeah. So that was track one, and it plays, and you are taken to a place. And what was so great is it perfectly lays out where she's going with this work. It introduces you know the idea and the concept of what the album's all about. And I really love how she's exploring um, boundaries. Yeah, and I think I think that's like such a sophisticated thing to talk about. Um, and people respond to that, and yet somehow we can never uh, get there again. I feel like it. it Velvet Rope still sort of is set aside as this anomaly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was a huge risk coming off of like the you know the sexual energy of Janet, the commercial. I mean, it was so commercial, and then to take this risk where you've got these scratches on the album, yeah. and you're talking about stuff like Free Zone, like that. I believe that Free was Zone's on another one. Your yes. List. Oh my gosh, a drum and bass funk. I mean, not a single, as you said. Yeah, but um, a quintessential Velvet Rope like atmospheric mood track, nonetheless, right? And and as teenagers, as adolescents, figuring ourselves out, how wonderful was it to hear an, you know, an idol someone that you really you know uh, appreciate their work sort of talking about introducing ideas about homophobia and about you know being open minded to like letting people be who they are I mean it was so affirming and so brave yeah it wasn't without controversy I remember at, at the time when the album came out uh, there were you know some people really got it you know there's always those people that get it but mm-hmm. then there's also the scandal that always happens whenever somebody re- reveals some truth or says something that's sort of like well duh you know uh, yeah there are other people there are other ways to love I can sing this song this Rod Stewart song and not change the pronouns. right <laughs> yeah. remember how hilarious that was wait remind people what happened with that one that is uh, very funny tonight's the night that you know the 70s yes. Rod Stewart classic that she decided to cover for this album and she used the female pronouns for right it. she kept the song as is I think we talked about this once before did uh, we yeah I think so I think so I don't remember if it was you and me I can't even remember we might anymore. repeat ourselves a lot if it's it not happens. on camera it's not worth living <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it was hilariously controversial. Everyone, yeah. everyone thought, "Oh my God, is she coming out? Is she gay? As though, is she bisexual?" Right. <laughs> right. And it's like, you know what? No, it doesn't freaking matter. Or maybe, but like, but like, why are we so? Why are we so shocked by the use of a single word to define a gender? It's no. like, <laughs> as Janet says, that's so not mellow. But you know what's amazing? It's been almost twenty years since Velvet Rope. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. Yeah. And I think, especially when it comes to some of these gender politics issues, um, it's kind of incredible that, you know, the world we're in today. I mean, how far we've come from that. Oh, I sure. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, there's, you know, when you think of all of the ways we've sort of played with gender and pop music in the last five years, mm-hmm. um, well, this would be this would be uh, you know this would be nothing. Well, we we owe her that though. I You're mean, right. Like, like, You're right. She's largely responsible for that. We have to give her credit where credit is due. I agree. I want to I want to touch on the last track that we have from this uh-huh. album because I think it's just so worth spending time on. Yep. What about? Yes. 
so another whiteboard item, a rock track on a Janet album. Yep. Okay, so we, we've we learned about Janet that she has this side of her where she really appreciates folk music and she has this side of her where she really appreciates rock music, mm-hmm. 60s rock music. Yep. So this is a song that caught me by surprise. I'm on the school bus on the way to high school with my newly opened Janet Velvarope album listening to this track. I think it's like a down-tempo, sort of done me wrong, or like sweet, like uh, R&B track. And then all of it ex- explodes and she's yeah. yelling at me. Yeah. And I'm really, I felt really affected by it like it yeah. was it was jarring it, it was, was completely jarring here the, the contrast between exactly what you're talking oh about God. i don't know if i would call it sweet per se but certainly introspective and quiet well, and wounded sound of the ocean yes. again the water it was lapping it mm-hmm. was so visceral mm-hmm. i mean yeah you yeah. hear that in the beginning it's a real atmosphere and the- she lashes out and she's got some stuff pent up and it doesn't surprise me that that's probably what happens with janet jackson she seems in all of her in all of her interviews she's very demure she's soft-spoken she chooses her words and with all the stuff that's happened to her in the last I mean 10 years 20 years it's amazing how I'm always surprised at how and I'm almost angered sometimes by it's like Janet come out of your face at these people or like so I remember around the Velvet Rope era that's what this all is about boundaries right I think she's really I mean look sometimes I think it's a hard world to navigate, but I think that she's really done an amazing job coming from the childhood she came from and all of that, um, being able to, you know, uh, to navigate this sort of world of fame with and keep her head on her shoulders. I yeah. mean, it's difficult. Yeah. Well, if this is I would know from experience. Yes. <laughs> Myself as well. I just haven't had Jam and Lewis around to be able to cut my album yet. But talk to me. Oh my God. Talk to me in a few. Well, and, and the other thing with What About that I think is interesting, and I don't have, I, maybe you have another track to reference specifically, but I think she does this a lot. What I love too is that there is this narrative structure where she's shifting voices between verse and chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like that kind of, um, it, you know, you were saying, you know, she is an actress. It sort of harkens to this like storytelling um, that I think is, is really effective and, and, and really does create that kind of impact that you were talking about when you were first listening to the song. Well, let's talk about storytelling. Let's yeah. talk about storytelling through movement. Let's talk about Tina Landon. Oh my gosh. Let's talk about the choice that she made during those the 1990, 1998 VH1 Fashion Awards. Oh my gosh. When she could have come out and done another version of Together Again, which in itself is a great song. It's a great song. But she did. She took a left field artistic decision and decided to do What About? And she did it in the rendition that they were doing on the Velvet Rope Tour exactly. of that era. Um, and they used Tina Landon's choreography, which is this sort of domestic violence dispute live on stage. And really, uh, really live. I mean, yeah. you felt like dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Visceral guns being pulled on each other, the cops coming in. And at the end, at the end of the performance, and I want to touch back onto a girl group. Uh, yes, motif say that you brought it, up say the it. downstage yes. fucking stomp for Jesus. <laughs> yes, and it's right at the end, you know, mm-hmm. just to qualify that and to provide some context. She's done this number on her knees yeah. the whole time. She like stands up a little bit here and there for a chorus, yeah. but she's basically on her knees center stage while these, you know, really horrible violent acts are sort of being reenacted all around her between and these then, couples. Exactly, and then right at the end after the bridge, she gets up, the guys are sort of Excused, They're pulled basically. off stage by the cops, yeah. right? And yeah, the girls oh, yeah. come. The girls have just pulled guns on their, on their on their abusers. Yeah, <laughs> you know right. How I say excused? <laughs> <laughs> they were excused. <laughs> you're dismissed. At the end of this time, do you remember when she says you're dismissed? <laughs> yeah. You know they were dismissed, and then the girls came downstage, rising like phoenixes from the ashes. Yeah. from these terrible relationships to tell it like it is to come downstage, just like the Supremes, just like. 
uh, you know, Destiny's Child. Absolutely. Maybe not so much from the BET, you know, performance oh, where Michelle, Michelle fall down the stairs. Fell over. But I, she didn't even fall down the stairs. <laughs> her heel just fell off. They Listen, were, Beyonce was steel during that performance. Kelly, you could see her humanity. Gave her that she side looked eye. at that, that side eye, but at least she looked at her, but she Beyonce said, Get did up. not even see it. But I don't know that Kelly was saying, like, it wasn't a side eye, like, girl, do you need help? It was more like a girl, bitch, get up. Beyonce's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if she doesn't, Matthew. You and Tina will. Well, as far as what about goes, what about this was a a success for the thrust stage in general. Yeah, well, it was also the fashion awards, so it was also a runway, and they really made use of that runway. Mm -hmm. I've had to choreograph many a show for a runway reblocking. Yeah, with my in my drag years, we used to do we used to do a. a benefit for homeless, mm-hmm. and I uh, used to do regular proscenium stage performances, and having to just to Tina Landon's credit, having to reblock on this long rectangular stage yeah. and think about facing and thinking about impact. You really have to re-realize the whole thing. So kudos to her. Well, like, and you know what's actually interesting, and and this speaks to I mean, it speaks to Janet's performance. It also speaks to Tina's. Chore- uh, choreography and her uh, abilities, um, but what's so amazing about the impact of that moment is that that I always think about that you know push down stage down mm-hmm. that runway, and I was watching that performance recently, and it seriously is like the last fifteen seconds. It's mm-hmm. so short; yeah. it's not even a full phrase of movement. No, it's just like it's a true. walk with a couple arm gestures and a pose. Yeah, but it's like what everyone thinks about from that number. Tina Landon has done so much choreography. Tina Landon. Did did, you know, uh, La Vida Loca. You yeah. know, some of the most, we don't even realize it, the Scream video, which is another Janet Jackson, you know, vehicle, but, like, so many of the most iconic, so much of the most iconic movement from the last, like, 20 years that we have seen is has been choreographed by Tina Landon. Yeah. And I want to get to, just as, as a side moment, to what it is about her. I've studied her. She, Janet is now working with choreographer uh, Gil Dudelau, mm-hmm. um, who she, he was a dancer on the Velvet Rope Tour with mm-hmm. her. Um, and they have had a creative partnership. They, they, their vocabulary right now is very funky. It's very yes. hip hop based. There's a lot of isolation and shoulder movement. It's, it, it's, it's small, and it's for it's for technically proficient hip hop dancers yes. that really get into that. Tina Landon, go ahead. No, no, no I was going to say. I think yeah. No, you should go. Tina Landon, uh, you know, she's from the Paula Abdul sort of school of dance. Yes. They're doing pirouettes, doing kicks, they're doing arm movements, there's arm and leg movements. And not only that, so it's tech, she's from this sort of 80s era of sort of technically proficient dancers. We're talking about, you know, Paula Abdul's dancers. And it's street jazz. It's street jazz, Which yeah. is different from where she, what I was going to say before is she's moved into, she's sort of doubled down into a little bit more of like an urban underground place for her movement. Yeah. Which is appropriate for the way that that music has changed. Yes. But uh, it's... I think and her it's just, career and focus. Totally, totally. I just think it just bears mentioning that. I think of... When you think of the most iconic moments, and we can transition here, but like, you know, you think of the ifs, you think of, you know, you think of all of the choreography from the Velvet Rope Tour, you think mm-hmm. of Runaway, that, you know, Runaway, we can talk about that in five seconds too. Yeah. There's all of the choreography in that video, all of the hand gestures that people do in the audience. W- Tina Landon does stuff where people can replicate it. That The, the, the bridge with the... Uh, some 
Day We'll Be Together sample from mm-hmm. If, where mm-hmm. they're doing, you know, they're crossing through each other with those geometric, you know, yep. King Tut arm movements. Everybody remembers that. Um, everybody remember remembers. It, everybody either A, studied it on TV to learn how to do it, mm-hmm. B, professionals reconceived it and used it for, I mean, I can, the number of pop acts that have, you know, repurposed uh, an, an idea of that choreography mm-hmm. is just, uh, it's across the board. And she does it now in concert, and I've even seen how Gil has moved his own stuff into her numbers, maybe during the verses, maybe during the bridges. Mm-hmm. But when you get to those choruses, and all I've got to say is with the, the throw down of the head back, you yep. know, um, or, or that the, the that bridge with the arm movement, you can't get past. You have to do that. You have to do it. Same, just like Lady yeah. Gaga doing Bad Romance. Everybody's got to do those, you know, the the arm, the monster the paws, claw hands yeah. and things like that. Or Madonna doing the voguing. You know, the whole the whole sort of vogue Absolutely. choreography. You, it's it, it's a cultural movement. The single ladies choreography. And you know what's so great about that is that you know I think having you know being dancers, having that as our background, you know. Music and and uh, and and you know the the oral experience oral a u a u r a l although with Janet Honey you could swing both ways at you least after seven a, years ago you could have an o r a l but the oral experience um, is is um is you know what everyone always sort of remembers and it, it's what people feel like an ability to connect to mm-hmm. or connect with rather um but when you really have a, a piece of movement that becomes famous in its own right where people um you know are knowing a song by the by the movement and what they're and what they're experiencing visually and, and that is a real that's a really a cool triumph. special thing an yeah. artistic an artistic triumph to be able to affect people from all of those angles absolutely can we talk to, can we speak to maybe some of those the moments maybe in the 2000s that weren't quite as that weren't quite as um connected with like the janet album or the velvet rope album you yeah, know one-offs can we talk it. about our one-offs can talk about some one-offs okay um i'm gonna talk about i want to talk about the best things in life are free okay do you remember that song a little okay here we go Duet with Luther Vandross from 1992's Mo Money soundtrack. Um, it was released May 12th, 1992. I didn't even realize I had a music video. She's not in the music video. Um, they use clips from the movie. Um, but this is one of those songs. I had this yellow mixtape that I taped off the radio, and it was in between Deeper and Deeper by Madonna and I'm Every Woman mm-hmm. by, by Whitney Houston. <laughs> and it, there was this classic um, remix of the song that I thought was the original version. I didn't realize that the version that's on uh, Janet Number 1's, the sort of like uh, like hip-hop-y, like 90s beat uh, version is the actual album version of the song. And I had, I wasn't able to find the mix that I liked of it until well after I had uh, around the design of a decade era, she'd started, she had set a trend for um, re-releasing, mining through her old songs from the control rhythm nation, the back eras and re-releasing the the songs as dance singles. Mm -hmm. So when I think of you, came back onto the dance charts because she did a re-release of When I Think of You. Yeah. A lot of the singles from Control, a lot of the singles from Rhythm Nation. And w- another one of those singles that was re-released back in like 1995 was The Best Things in Life Are Free. Mm-hmm. And I had um, I had this version of it. I'm trying to think of the version that I had of it. I settled for, I settled for the K-Class remix for the longest time 
up until I was able to find the version that I found on the radio all of those years ago. And I always thought <laughs> that, that it's was... it's an weird. elusive version. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point that I was trying to make. I'm, I'm pulling out my B-sides and yeah. my track sevens and eights. I want to talk about the nerdy stuff, the stuff that real Janet fans totally. get into. This is... When this song comes on... It really makes me happy. I think it's joyous pop, like we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. You know, with the late Luther Vandross, God mm-hmm. bless him. Absolutely. You know, it was such a cute moment in between the Rhythm Nation album and the Janet album. Yeah. What else do you have for me? You well, go. look, this is an in-betweener. It's not certainly um, something that people don't know. It's not an album track. It's something that's quite well known. But I think we need to talk about um, Scream. Scream. Um, so, you know, that's between, uh, it was sort of between Janet and Design of a Decade, mm-hmm. right, I mm-hmm. think? Yep, right before Design of yeah. a Decade. So, technically, it's an MJ song. Yep. Um, however, I think, really, it's a Janet song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it was the lead off of history, whatever the subtitle was, book Past, one. Past, present, and future, Past, book present, one. future, book one, um, released in 95. And, um, you know, it was, you know, it, it feels like a Janet song because it really is. It was the first time Michael had collaborated with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, you know, at that point, Janet's, you know, real partners artistically. Um, and really, it was speaking to all of this rage at the tabloid community around what was going on with um, a lot of, you know, allegations around Michael. And I think that, you know, there's so much um, controversy there. I think there's, you know, probably seeds of truth and their sadness around different parts of that. But I think everyone can agree that um, what was going on in the press at that point was over the top. It was taking the the tiniest of things and really piling on to kind of bully him and make him seem even, you know, just crazier and more more ridiculous than is, you know, possibly uh, possible. Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> and, sure. And, you know, I think he would try and create some boundaries and that would only feed the, the rumor mill more by mm-hmm. taking a moment to step away. So this was really his moment to like you know throw it back at people's face and janet was you know happy to work with him for the first time i think since uh i don't know it was a while the first time since 80 something 82 she did backup on pyt oh Um, good to know i didn't know that fast fact yeah well fast forward (laughs) Um, to 95 the two are are together in a vacuum in sort of literal space isolation as you're talking about the only place that they can go to where they're not touched by this poison yeah do you know what i'm saying so this is a total game changer absolutely Um, and like you said working with jam and lewis and it's interesting that what you had to say about rage um they i i really feel like them as producers they really helped reconnect to that same motivation, that same rage from Rhythm Nation. They actually sample um, Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself Again by Sly and the Family Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually more prominently featured in a song called Scream Louder, the remix. It's the Flight mm-hmm. Time remix uh-huh, of Scream uh-huh. that was on um, Blood on the Dance Floor. Uh-huh. Um, even more prominently sampled in that. But it's the sort same sort of glass-breaking, bottle-crashing, drum-hitting samples yeah. from Rhythm Nation yeah. bringing into Scream, but like reworked into a sort of ni- 95, mid-90s funk type of you know presentation. Absolutely. Another situation where the radio, the version that I heard on the radio was the Naughty by Nature remix. Uh-huh. And that's a little bit, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it's a little bit more of like a down-tempo yeah. yep. type of you know a rap track. And then all of a sudden when I saw the premiere of the video, 
video. I yes. was expecting to hear that. And then I heard this like gritty mechanical bleeping. Yep. I mean, sounds that like you, I hadn't heard, but M- Michael had always had such a warm yeah. and organic sound, the Quincy Jones stuff. Yeah. You know, it's so and, to hear him. And what's presented. interesting, absolutely. And he had some other songs that sort of spoke to this topic, like Leave Me Alone mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and similar things. But this was different. The, you know, the tone was just, it was much, it was, it was much more intense and really hit you in the face. Well, and Janet's look, let's talk about her look. Oh God, I mean, the look. chopped bob with the, the, the raccoon eyes. I feel those dark eyes. I felt like it was actually a really cool blend of the like softness of Love Will Never Do Without You uh-huh. mixed with sort of like the hard edges we'd seen from her in her other days. So it was sort of taking, I felt like, a rhythm nation and a, and a, and a, and a Janet kind of experience and sort of blending those in a really cool way where you saw her as a woman but empowered and angry. <laughs> well, and foreshadowing to what we were going to see on in the Velvet future on the, on the Velvet Absolutely. Rope, right? I mean, like, Absolutely. this is the darker Janet and the rage that she's got inside of her. And Michael helped bring that out in her, I guess. Yeah. Oh, it also goodness. just notoriously, we should say, is, is is known to be one of the most expensive videos ever. There's yeah. not, you know, proof around that because, of course, but um, but it certainly was a big deal at the time that they'd spent so much money. So we don't have a whole lot of time left. Can we I talk know. about, like, can we talk about the All For You era, the Demita Joe era? You yeah, know? I think we got to, we got to be, uh, we got to pick some of our faves now and then we can add some to the playlist that we missed. I'm going to blast out my faves. Yeah. Someone to call my lover mm. from All For, All For You from 2001. This, I, I was like, this this is my favorite Janet Jackson song. Talk about, okay, so another whiteboard element of Janet Jackson music, mining the, the records, you know, going through your vinyl and finding that the definitive samples that, are, that you can rework and repurpose to turn into a beautiful, poignant pop song. This, the use of Ventura Highway by America, one of my father's favorite bands, so I've got a generational connection to this song. Yeah. And sort of like, it's a triumphant chorus, but there's a sadness, there's a melancholy to this. She mm-hmm. is separate from her husband and she's going off the video the and the and the track itself evokes the the feeling of a woman driving off into the sunset sort of like leaving something you know hurtful behind her but being you know optimistic about the future and the way that jam and lewis once again hello you know they they captured the melancholy of this uh, uh there's a beneath the chorus there's like a ooh Ooh, mm-hmm. like a like those warm Janet layered yes. vocal oohs and hums and those harmonies. soundscapes that yeah, just that really tug move at you. Your... They touch you. Yes, they yes. touch you. You know, Vic, I don't really have a personal connection to that song in particular. I thought that that era of hers was really interesting as we were going from moving out of the Velvet Rope and trying to now come out of what was sort of difficult into you know exploring some just some other topics with a different kind of. Uh, different kind of motif going on. Well, and, the vibe uh, wasn't as cohesive as it had been in the past. I'll give you that. She was exploring. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, listen, it was a beautiful you, and song. I, you and I were arriving for our first year at college. I had just broken up with my high school boyfriend yeah. for two years. You know what I mean? So this song meant a lot to me in that respect. And yeah. then it was sort of like, it was melancholy. I I was single for the first time in, in, a, in a long time. And this is what was coming up on, on MTV. And it was coming up on the radio. I had just seen the All For You tour. And I, this is one of the, the songs that I had wanted to see 
live. Yeah, so. and it was also really interesting, I guess, because it had that melancholy. Maybe I already said this, but it had that. It was melancholy, but it had that groove underneath that sort of gave it a really uh, uh, something a little bit different. Another groove that I want to talk about is mm-hmm. the title of Demi the Joe. That you know, the self-titled song. That might be another one that you don't have. A, you don't have a lot of reaction to, but like I really appreciated the, the sort of. I think it was was it uh, Jam, it was Jim and Lewis again and yeah. the Villa Brothers. Um, the, the the song is challenging people to get to know the real her, the side that she doesn't hide but doesn't necessarily show all the time. Mm-hmm. It's really sample heavy. It's hip hoppy. It's taking us in a new direction for the Demita Joe era. I really love the styling in that era. It, we, there was a lot that we didn't get to appreciate about that era and the beauty that she. What was do you think us. went right and what do you think went wrong? Okay, so there was too many producers, and this is uh-huh. a pro- common problem among a lot of the artists that we like. We we can talk about you know like Madonna and the Rebel Heart album arguably we can talk about Christina and the Bionic album we can the talk about, albums right 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 <laughs> the Bion- yeah <laughs> we can talk about we can talk about the Demita Joe album uh you're missing the intimacy and the depths that you can get to with a single producer, yeah. you know, like on something like Ray of Light. With it's not William cohesion. Orbit. Yeah. It, the, so it felt like there was a lot of the lot of cooks in the kitchen, a lot of um, no Ray of Light. I was saying is, is an example of a success. Oh, no, the, I know. I was I was with, <laughs> so intimately with um, with William Orbit. What Absolutely. Do you have to say to me, darling? Say I was it. making a face because I was I was unsure if cohesion was a word. Cohesion? I mean, it's a word, but I didn't know if I'd use it appropriately. OK, well. Anyway, I think that it was a little bit jumbled, and that was the case, arguably, also a little bit with with discipline. And from discipline, I really like so much better. You know, yeah, like that loop. That's of so the, much better song. Oh is my god! Hot. Have you seen the, that the, song? Is the hot. dances to it online that people make up that loop oh, no. of the Daft Punk? That it's a Daft Punk sample mm-hmm. that they looped in order to be able yeah. to make that groove, and it just sounds like liquid, like black yeah. mutagen goo that yeah. they're dancing to. I have to say, so much better. That was like a that was a, a, a piece of of what she was exploring at that time that I did think was really interesting. I'm not sure it ever quite like landed for me. Like I don't know if it ever got I mean that song was a great success, but I think it could have there could have been a lot there to mind when we talk about some of those big experiences she builds out across some of these larger albums. And I felt like it just never germinated or got to the right yeah, well, you know, point of development. It wound up become, becoming used in sort of a throb-esque way where they, she sort of used it as a dance interlude. Right. You know, By um, the way, I love throb. Yeah, throb. I mean, listen. It, it would was, be on my list if we had more time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that was a gigantic track, too. Never officially, you know, given the video treatment, but also a single. There's so many songs. That we could touch on here. I mean, well, I mean, look, we're, we're we're definitely getting close on time. I think one observation I want to make is, although we've talked a lot about the Janet album, we haven't actually added a song from that album to the list. And uh, there there might be one or two you wanted to mention, but I do just want to note, um, what'll I do? Yeah, what'll I do? This song, what'll I do, is so fascinating because you mentioned how much she's inspired by some of that, you know, rock music, a little bit, of, you know, of a nostalgic era for you know a '60s flavor and whatnot. But what's so interesting in this moment with that Janet album is that this wasn't a Jimmy Jam carry to this song, and you could really feel that. And it was interesting because I get your point; you don't want to pile on too many producers. But I also think when you listen through that Janet album, there was this nice moment where you were hearing an interpretation of these themes with a little bit of a different guide and um, and it created something that was kind of really just beautiful and the levity around it was really great and then on the remix album you get the Dave Navarro remix yeah. which just amps it up and takes it to a whole other place well that's what I was going to say is like that I love that track to begin with first of all it's the cover of the 1967 Johnny Day song mm-hmm. 
Um, and I didn't even know that. I said, oh, this sounds like the Rolling Stones. That's what I thought when I listened to I it. I just said, mm-hmm, like I knew. I right. didn't know either. <laughs> yeah. No, I had to do some Wikipedia research yeah. on it, but I found out. So I, And then I watched the video for you know the Johnny Day song. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I had no idea. And it was cool. I was like, wow, thank you for introducing to another generation. Really appreciated. But yeah, yeah. the Dave Navarro one is sort of like his one hot minute Red Hot Chili Peppers era. The, the treatment that he did for Janet Remix. Another like huge, like European successful remix album in the style of uh, Shut Up and Dance and Paul Abdul. A reworking of all the tracks, a best of compilation. The remix is from that extensive Janet, uh, you know, era, the album, the album cycle. My God. And when I found that CD, Brendan, it was like (gasps) the find of the century. You don't, I'm such a nerd for imports and for remixes. And to, to get a treasure like that, it's like, why don't they do that for every single, Lady Gaga has done it for her first couple of albums uh-huh. and I really appreciate it and Britney Spears has done it I- well you know what I think it speaks to the quality of your work I think when you really feel like you've developed some some great work it's 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 fun and it's exciting as an artist to revisit it and to, and to mix it up and see how you can take it to new places yeah 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 well you're enlisting other artists to take your themes and see how it bounces off of them like reinterpretations mm-hmm. and that's something I've always appreciated not to get back but like Madonna like would always do the reinventions of it live you know I, the, we were talking about control the the re you know the remix or the the remix of um of uh let's wait a while you know like the re- release the control the remixes you know like this is another artist where her maxi singles give as much context and sort of um they color even more the album they they become parts of parts of the whole experience and that i think it's just if we want to close out on this note it's mm-hmm. like st- the 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 precedence that sh- that she has set it, it sort of it sort of broke the mold. It established a blueprint for generations behind her to follow, and and it's also it, there are examples now of the way things aren't even really done this way anymore. They're not, and you, you know, know what? I hope that maybe this new album is sort of a is a is a is a reemergence of those kinds of ideas and that kind of approach because I think everyone's really looking for quality experiences right now, and then we're in search of that. Oh yeah, so this we're, is a moment starved, for her. We're certainly starved for honesty and starved for quality, starved for artistry. And I and I appreciate. I'm I'm so glad that she, I, I hope that it's validating to her. That she's getting what she deserves with this comeback. You know, and she's doing it her way. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. Clearly, we could go deeper and deeper and deeper <laughs> and deep. deeper. Go deep. Um, but I think we should run. So uh, I have no doubt that Janet's going to appear on this podcast many more times. Totally, totally. We'll, we'll definitely <laughs> and, um, and Vicky just gave a little bit of a sneak peek for our next step, mentioning um, the incredible Shut Up and Dance uh, remix <laughs> album by Ms. Abdul. So that's a little, a little tease for little the next time. Foreshadowing for the children. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll see you next time. It's been such a blast, friends. See ya. See ya. If you like our show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are hot. And if you really like our show, we'd love a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter at Back on Track Show, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and all of your favorite ways of time. <laughs> we love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and check out all of our Make Say playlists. And if you're outraged that your favorite track didn't make the list, visit us at www.backontrackshow.com and let us have it. You know, we'll tell you what we think, honey. All right, we're done. Peace.